Good morning, everybody, and happy Saturday. I am Amanda, and I'm back with Baron. Good morning, Baron. How's it going? Good morning. Another great Saturday morning. It is. So we are on our 11th episode today, which is pretty cool. So we've almost been doing this for three months. So I just want to say thank you guys so much for helping us and supporting us. Huge shout out to our sponsors, Breezy HVAC and Odmos Pizza. Make sure to... Show them some love, you guys. They're really helping us out here with making it possible to bring you guys these stories. Um, so last week we kind of talked about, or we touched on um, Ozzy's story. Can you tell me a little bit more about like uh, childhood cancer? Childhood cancer is an interesting creature all by itself. Yeah. Uh, and again, for people that see me around the community, I have lots of colors of shirts. Mm-hmm. Today I'm wearing a gray shirt okay. because Ozzy has brain cancer. Brain cancer is great. Not quite as bright and colorful as the pinks and the greens and the yellows, but childhood cancer is actually specifically gold. Oh, okay. Uh, and so I did some digging mm-hmm. for you on childhood cancer specifically. So this is actually from the National Institute of Health. Okay. And as, there's an article called Cancer in Children and Adolescents. The data is a little bit old, but not that old. In 2018, it was estimated that 15,590 children and adolescents ages 0 to 19 were diagnosed with cancer in the United States. Then it gets into some deeper numbers, but what I found interesting was of those, leukemia, which is blood cancer, Mm -hmm. brain, and the central nervous system tumors were the ones that were most common. Those are some serious cancers as well. Yeah. So that's scary that those are the most common ones. And in the that's terrifying. The, in the four years I've been doing this, the survivors that I've met that are uh, that are adults now that got diagnosed with cancer as children, those were the ones they had. They either had blood cancer, brain cancer, or a central nervous system cancer. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So it's kind of crazy um, that that's the ones that hit specifically. The one that the that one is. that Ozzy has. I mentioned that to you last time. It's actually in this article. It's mentioned in this article. It says, for example, half of children with diffuse intrinsic pontine glioma. You should you should pat me on the back for actually I saying was... that word. <laughs> <laughs> I had to practice and practice that. I was going to say you did you did actually very 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 well. That flowed flawlessly. Um, the acronym for everybody that looks it up is called DIPG, which is a whole lot easier than trying to say all of that. D-I-G-P? D-I-P-G. D-I-P-G. So it's diffuse intrinsic pontine glioma. Holy smokes. So I did check with a doctor to figure out all that meant. Yeah. Right? So the diffuse refers to the fact that the tumor is spreading. Okay. So it's it's diffusing. Okay. Jesus. I know. Don't take out my mics <laughs> there, Baron. Little, little hand gesture. It's <laughs> a little too big there. No one on the radio could see that, though. That's a good thing. <laughs> and then the intrinsic part means that they're not even sure today why those tumors form. Okay. The pontine is the region in the brain. And I showed you a picture before the show started. The very base of the brain where it attaches to the brain stem, mm-hmm. that's the pontine region. Right. And then glioma just means brain cancer. Okay. The challenge for Ozzy is he's three. Yes. And the tumor is the size of a golf ball. And that's when, I mean, that's a big size tumor regardless of how big or little you are. But then you put it into a three-year-old. Yeah. That's huge. Yeah. In the, and in the brain at yeah. that. And the, the concern right now is because where the pontine is located, it's at the base of the brain. 
if that tumor begins to move the diffuse part, which it is, which it is, um, it's it's creating tentacles currently, mm-hmm. and if it moves south into the brain stem, the damage becomes really bad. And it's right there. Yeah. So again, I'm reading you national statistics. Okay. And every single person we talk to is not a statistic. Right. But the national statistics for this type of cancer is a 1% survival rate. Wow. Yeah. Now, the good news on Ozzy's case is he's going up to Dornbecker's in Portland, which is one of the best childhood cancer places on the West Coast. Okay. And the amount of research that they've done up there specifically for childhood cancer is amazing. So he's in good hands. He's in good hands. Okay. So lots of prayers for him, you guys, please. Lots and lots of prayers for Ozzy. Yeah. So we're just stepping in now as an organization to help him raise some money, mostly to get his family all the way up to Seattle. Okay. Because there's some specific things they're doing for his family. Okay. That's awesome. So there's some, I mean, there's a lot to dig into when it comes to childhood cancer, but that gives you a little bit of a touch on what's yeah. going on. I'm glad they're getting him up to Seattle. I think that's great. Yeah. Giving him all the help that he that he could use and need. Yeah. The, pro, the the biggest challenge for him specifically, and I think it's that type of a tumor, it's is inoperable. Right. In other words, you can't cut it off the brain. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so they're doing some um, new technology or new therapies, I guess. Um, it's called CAR-T, which is a type of, of treatment, but it's immunotherapy. So they're actually taking... Some of part of his body is being put into the tumor to help his own body reduce the tumor. Wow. I know. Okay. Pretty amazing. Yeah, that is. That's super cool. Yeah. So immunotherapy is actually a really good new way of dealing with cancer. I'm excited to see where that goes. So is his mom. I bet. (laughs) Hopefully it takes off and, and it's something that can help other people as well. Yeah. So that's a little bit more about Ozzy. All right. All right. So do we have any of our shocking news that we touch on? Last week we did, uh, was it the fi- the strategic plan, yeah. right? Yeah. And, and, and you know, I'm going to tell you right now that we did part of it last week. It's going to take us at least two more weeks to get through this. Okay. All but right. But what I like about this, and, and, of course, the article's in front of you. No one can see it except for you and me. <laughs> but it's a five-point plan to lower pharmaceutical prices that AAR put together— and presented to President Trump during his administration. Mm-hmm. And it all makes so much sense to me. Right. Um, I agree. I but would, but I, I want to touch on some of these five points. Okay. And we'll watch time and see how many of these points we can get into. Okay. So the first problem, they said, is the problem is negotiating from weakness. That's the problem. Okay. Okay. So what it says is one reason the United States has higher prescription drug costs— in the one of the highest drug price, let me just read back. <laughs> no one of the highest prescription drug costs in the world is that we're the only industrialized nation whose government does not bargain with drug makers over pricing. Okay, that's why everywhere else is so much cheaper. Well, it, a little later on, it says in contrast. Australia, Japan, and most European nations have some form of a national health program with drug review boards that negotiate with manufacturers. Okay. So we're talking about industrialized nations. Mm -hmm. I would say that Australia, Japan, America, most European nations should fall within that same category, right? Correct. We're all industrialized nations. Yeah. And what are they doing? They They have a national health program 
where the drug the way they review drug pricing with manufacturers. And we don't do that. We don't do that. We just let them strong arm us. Pretty much. So that's one of the things that they said is we need to implement this program. Yeah. And it's guess, working. It's and, working. In other places. So why not? Yeah. And, you know, you think about Australia, mm-hmm. Japan. <laughs> and, and if you do some research on what's going on in those countries when it comes to pricing of drugs, it's way lower. Right. Well, given what AARP presented to President Trump, he actually had an executive order that says we are going to start doing this. Oh, Okay. Now, I don't know I'd, if it's still going right. on. I'd be interested to see if it is. Yeah, and I'll try to do some digging and see if President Biden's still doing it. But President Trump said, if these countries are doing it, why aren't we doing it? Right. I so feel like he, we're not. I don't think we are. <laughs> so that's one of the problems. Okay. okay? Um, the another one was a failure to import. Okay. Okay. So if prices for drugs w- we use in the United States are so much lower elsewhere, why are we not importing pharmaceuticals? Right. It would, yeah. And the example to give here is Canada. Right there. Right there. And again, I'm going to go back to President Trump's executive order. At that same time period, he said, we have a good working relationship with Canada. This is not a country we're worried about. We, right. That border is an open border. Why don't we have fair pricing? Mm-hmm. So he said, if there's a drug in Canada that's $100, and we're charging $1,000, knock it off. Please. Yes. Absolutely. That's so rude. again, that was something he enacted during his administration. Okay. Now, interestingly enough, in their article, the, the solution, proposed legislation would let p- uh, patients buy lower-priced me- medicines from Canadian pharmacies for personal use. Yeah. Well, President S- Trump said... Let's not buy the drugs from Canada. Let's buy them from the United States. Let's just our prices to match theirs. Right. Seems like a better solution, right? Yes. Yes. <laughs> You're still local and it's affordable. Yeah. So, again, these just seem like such logical solutions. Very. To me. Yeah. That's unfortunate that I don't feel like they're in place at this moment. No. So, the third problem they said was endless patents. Okay. So to encourage innovation and allow pharmaceutical companies to recoup their losses, the federal government grants 20-year patents on new drugs that give companies the exclusive rights to market the medication. 20-year patents. Endless patents. Yeah. Later on, it says that the, the U.S. Government Accountability Office estimates that generic... Generics had saved the United States care system $1 trillion during previous decades. A trillion dollars. Holy smokes. So if you and I develop anything, and we don't want anybody else to have what we developed, Mm -hmm. we get a patent on it. Right. And that has our name, right? Mm -hmm. But a generic version has saved the public a trillion dollars. That's amazing. Right. Jeez. So so much money. (laughs) A trillion dollars. Again, I think we figured that they've out. saved us. For yeah. not, not that we've spent, that they've saved us. By buying generic versus yeah. brand name. And, and That's a have, huge amount that they've taken You and off. I talked about this. I didn't have enough zeros. <laughs> <laughs> a trillion is, is 12 zeros. Wow. So it's one in 12 zeros. Yeah. That's a lot of zeros. That right? is a lot of zeros. So again, in their article, their solution is there is some talk in Congress about attacking the practice of evergreening which is allowing them to have this endless patent. Right. Uh, I do believe that that was another one of the things that President Trump was working on. Okay. Was stopping these endless patents. Right. 
So there's a couple more that we can get into more next week. But I think it's amazing that they took this plan to President Trump's administration. He saw the val- the validity of their solutions. Yeah, it made sense. And began acting on it. I, I love that. It makes sense. And we're here for the people in this that, yeah, the prices of prescriptions are outrageous. Yeah. Outrageous. Outrageous. The other thing I wanted to point out for you, and, and again, uh, the listeners can't see this, but um, there's graphs inside of this article, okay? And so one of these talks about how much um, profit is being made with some of these pharmaceutical companies. So this graph here, they're, they're called bar graphs, but um, Elite Sciences made 49.7% profit. Oh, wow. That was the number one profit company Behind Facebook, which made 46.4%, McDonald's made 36.5%, Apple made 27%, and Pfizer made 26.9%. So two of those top six were prescription drug companies. Wow. And number seven is um, Eli Eli Lilly, which is another drug company, and Mm -hmm. they made 22. So as you can see, and the next one is Bristol-Myers. Jeez. So from Starbucks up are prescription drug companies that are making 20, 22, 27, 26, 49% profit. Wow. So out of the, what? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. So out of the top eight, what five. Is that? five of them are prescription companies. So five of the top per profit companies for that year or prescription drug companies. Wow. And I and I think that the listeners would agree that we should be capitalists. We should be able to make money, but at what cost and at how much? Right. Yes. There's got, like yes. 49%, almost 50% profit by one company that's making drugs. Yeah. On the backs of the people who can't afford to buy them. Right. Yeah. That's outrageous. So. That's crazy. We should stop or you're going to go into politics. <laughs> I know I've kind of held myself back a little bit. Come on, you guys. I know. But it is, it is, it is, that's part of what I want to bring to light is some of this stuff that's going on. And we can get some more into the solutions. But I think ARP was onto something. They had their data, they had it all pulled together. Great article, took it to the president, and he listened. Yeah. I I love that he listened. I love that, I love that they even presented it like, hey, let's find a solution. These are some options. This is what we can do. Right. This is how we can do it. Well, and then and, they got listened to. That's awesome. And I think that anyone who's been in a managerial position, which I have in the past, if you have employees or if you have constituents that gripe, okay, just gripe to gripe, who cares? But if you have a problem and then you bring a solution that makes sense, well, that's that's helpful. Right. Abs- yeah. It's huge. Problems occur. Bring me a solution. Yeah. Show me which what you did. got. Yeah. All right. So we'll dig more into this next week, yes? Okay, yes. Let's do that. Okay. So then let's jump into our story of the week. Yes. You're going to like this one. Okay. Because you met this guy. Oh, all right. Who is he? Michael Brown. Oh, yes, I did. At the Polar Plunge. Yes. Okay. So I'm going to take you again back to that first year. Okay. Um, I needed somebody locally that could make t-shirts for me, and I met this guy named Bill Brown. Has a business in West Salem. And, and by the end of that first year, which is about where we're at in our little movement here, mm-hmm. he had made 336 shirts for me. Oh, wow. Okay. In that first year. And finally, I sat down and you know, I thanked him for all he was doing. And he says, do you know why this means something to me? I'm like, no. <laughs> like, why, would I, why would I know? Yeah. Um, so his son, Michael, 
was almost four, and he was getting really bad headaches. Bill gets migraines, and so the doctors were actually telling Bill that Michael got migraines like his dad. Right. Okay, fine, that might make sense, until the headaches were so bad that Michael would bang his head against the floor. Oh, wow. Until he blacked out. Holy smoke. The pain was so bad. So it was not just a migraine. No, not even close. So, wow. So Bill went in and insisted on an MRI. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the technicians know what they're looking at. They just can't tell you what they're looking at for liability reasons. Right. right? So when the technician comes out holding this, this MRI and the technician's like white in the face. Yeah. <laughs> Bill like, was a little whoa. concerned. So the doctor comes out, he looks at the, at the MRI, he looks at Bill and he says, go home, pack a bag right now and head up to Dornbecker's and ask for this particular doctor. Wow. So there was no right there, now. There was a sense of urgency in what okay. was going on. All right. The amazing part of this story to me is that as Bill got there, they walked off the elevator and this doctor walked on the elevator. They didn't know who the doctor was. He just walked on the elevator. Mm-hmm. And they walked to the desk and they said, we need doctor whatever. And as the door was closing on the elevator... He heard his name, and he walked back off the elevator. Okay. So they were that close to not catching that doctor. Yeah. Right? Wow. Okay. So the doctor walks up. He looks at the MRI. He looks at the nurse, and he says, call my wife. Tell her to go to Hawaii without me. <gasps> Look at him. Was, I love that. That he, gave me instant goosebumps. <laughs> That's really He was cool. actually on his way to Hawaii He was leaving vacation. for vacation. Another 30 seconds, and they would have missed this doctor. Oh, wow. And he, then the doctor says... Um, Prep the OR right now. So Michael had a tumor on his brainstem. So we were talking a minute ago about the pontine region, which is just above the brainstem. Mm-hmm. But Michael's was like a cobra spinning around the brainstem. Oh, so his was on the brainstem. His was on the brainstem. Oh. And, and it, was, it was beginning to choke off his brainstem like a cobra. Whoa. And they, the doctor said if they hadn't got him in there, he would have died in four days. In four days? Yeah, because the tumor was growing. Again, we've talked about this. Wow. Tumors are living cells. Yeah. And this cell was growing and choking off his brainstem. That's bizarre that, that, that Bill finally was like, hey, I want an MRI. They got one, got to the doctor just in time. Just in time. And he would have had four days had they gone to their M- MRI appointment a day later. Wow. Sorry. Yeah. Keep going. It's Whoa. Chill. Pretty chilling. Yeah. Pretty chilling. That's amazing. God's plans. So his, in Michael's case, they could operate. In Ozzy's case, it's inoperable. Right. But they began cutting off the tumor. And the doctor came back and he said, we've managed to cut off 97% of this tumor. That's a good amount. It's a good amount. That's a really good amount. But the tumor is still there, and it's, it it's will grow, continue right? to grow because it's living, right? And the one thing that impressed me, I've never met this doctor. I'd love to meet him. But he could have tried to get the glory in some medical journal and kept cutting. Right. But he knew the damage that would cause to Michael. Yeah. So he said, I'm not going to keep cutting. Here's your option. We're going to give your four-year-old an adult dose of chemotherapy. That's terrifying. That's what Bill said. <laughs> That's what Bill said. So Jeez. first they had to give radiation to stop the tumor from growing. Mm-hmm. Radiation has to go somewhere. Right. In Michael's case, it went out his ears. Oh, So okay. there's that joke about looking this ear, you can see all the way through. Yeah. You can with Michael because it, really? it literally blew out his ears. So he, had, remember, I don't remember seeing him, he had those cochlear implants. Yeah. That's how he hears. Oh, okay. He has no hearing without those cochlear implants. Okay, all right. So that was the first damage. Okay. 
Then they start the chemotherapy. Chemo cannot distinguish good cells from bad cells. Right, so it just takes so, them all out, right? So it did kill the cancerous cells, but it also killed brain cells. Okay. So he had to begin to learn all of those functions of a child again. All over. Had to walk, had to talk, all those functions. He had to learn all over again, and he's four, right? Um, and they, they, they looked at Bill, and they said, enjoy your son till he's 10, because that would be the life expectancy of a child with brain cancer. Okay. Based upon something I just showed you, right? The statistics and whatnot. And he went through multiple surgeries. Um, I mean, the list is just long of what Michael went through to try to deal with the hearing loss. But then he turned 11. Okay. And they said, this is amazing. Okay. He won't make it past puberty because now your body starts going through some changes. Right. Right? So it'll be difficult. Be difficult. And then Michael turned 20. <laughs> and when you met him, was right after his 33rd birthday. It was. It was. So that's extremely impressive. I bet they're... Are they just amazed? Yeah. In fact, when we do our, our articles in our newsletter, mm -hmm. we always try to give them a title. So Michael's is called Beating the Odds. <laughs> I love it. I love it. So is he cancer-free now? He is cancer-free. Wow. And okay. has been for... 29 years, 28 years. That's amazing. Now, the downside for Michael is that the, the reason we did that polar plunge, the reason that Jackie and a bunch of us jumped in that really cold water, <laughs> that's a big fundraiser. Sorry, reason. I couldn't jump. I was on air. <laughs> nice excuse. <laughs> I, will tell you, I will tell you that however cold you think that water was, it was colder than that. Oh, was, I believe you. I believe you. I saw them jumping ice in it oh, before. Oh, it was incredibly cold. <laughs> And it, and it was it was cold to hear, and then my head submerged, and the brain was like, holy cow, this is really cold. Very, yeah. <laughs> but it's a big fundraiser for Special Olympics. Yes. And even though Michael's in his early 30s, mentally, he's about 14 or 15. Right. And so he qualifies for Special Olympics. Yeah, absolutely. Because the cancer killed brain cells. Yeah. I've seen him. I've seen the pictures of him on the golf course and, and out at the polar plunge, and he looks like he's having the time of his life. He loves to golf. I love it. He loves to. In fact, it was so funny because after he and I became friends, um, he calls me all the time in the spring, like, can we go golfing? Can we go golfing? And of course, we have our golf tournament mm -hmm. and he and his dad have a team. So you'll meet him again when okay. you guys do the live remote at the golf tournament. Okay. All right. Perfect. Right? right? Yep. Absolutely. So yeah, Michael's awesome. But the other fun part of Michael's story is, so here we are, it's early 2019. Mm-hmm. And the, the war dash has come up again. And I turned to Brent and I said, well, last year we did it for you. Like we rallied people for your reason. Right. Let's find a new reason. Mm -hmm. And that was kind of the inspiration for what we now call an honoring. Each month, Kicking Cancer is going to honor yeah, somebody. I love that. Michael was the first honoree. And so we all decided to get muddy for Michael. <laughs> That's awesome. I love it. <laughs> And we rallied 42 people again. That's so awesome. That didn't know Michael. Mm -hmm. But this time, they came with their own little set of groups. So there was Jess that we talked about with, with Jamie Savage. Right. He had his brother and his brother-in-law and his daughter. And he had like 12 on his little group. Right. Who wanted to get money for Michael. Yeah. And then another guy that done it the year before, he got his wife and his brother-in-law that came down from Spokane, Washington. We had three separate groups all out there getting muddy for Michael at our second Warrior Dash. That's awesome. I like how you guys honor somebody every time. That's 
it just it gives them a little bit it makes them feel a little bit more special and just highlights them in their story yeah and gets it out there so I, I, I appreciate that yeah one of the one of the two fun memories from that one is the um, CFO for our board of directors had decided to come do it with us mm-hmm and she was a CFO, but she didn't really under, did totally understand the organization yet. Right. And as we all crossed that finish line, totally covered in mud, she goes, and Michael was there waiting for us. She goes, I get it now. I get it now. I get it now. Yep. So, so that's Michael. He's awesome. He loves to play golf, and he'll be there golfing with us. All right, all right. So really quick, before we wrap this up, I just want to give another shout-out to our sponsors, Breezy HVAC and Oddmost Pizza. You guys go show them some love. Say thank you. Um, we wouldn't be here without them, that is for sure. So, again, thank you, Breezy HVAC and Oddmost Pizza. And we will be back next Saturday as, as the, the movement, movement continues. continues.